fresh out of the oven. It's Cinema Bums. I am Oscar Meyer. And I am infamous international Hollywood producer, Kurt Uskar. Kurt Uskar, I see that the film that you produced this year did not win any Academy Awards. I was sorry to I was sorry to hear sorry to hear it. Remember, remind me which film it was that you produced. Well, this year, you know, I was really inspired by Steven Spielberg finally making a movie about his own life uh-huh. and his upbringing. So I decided in turn to make a movie about my life and upbringing. And while we didn't score any awards, I'm just happy that it's out there. Uh, Cocaine Bear. <laughs> oh, incredible. Uh, I think Cocaine Bear should have won Best Picture. That's just me. But Well, I guess this might be a big moment for you because the Best Picture winner integrally involved hot dogs this year. It did. It did. And in fact, I hate to tell you, they were not my hot dogs. <laughs> Bastards use Nathan's famous. <laughs> uh, but what can I do? What can I do? You know? Anything that promotes hot dogs is good for me. It's good for business. You know, they say if it's good for the worst, it's good for the best. Uh, A rising tide raises all dogs. Yes. Et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. I just relish this chance um, (laughs) to see hot dogs really, really redeeming their name after the travesty um, of our joint production sausage party. <laughs> uh, all right. We are talking about the 95th Academy Awards, which took place on Sunday, March 12, 2023, hmm. a.k.a. the 2023 Oscars, honoring the films of 2022, uh, hosted by Jimmy Kimmel, returning as a host for the third time. And are you telling me they can't find any other <laughs> handsome, you know, dark haired, <laughs> funny hosts around uh, uh, who could have maybe, maybe done this job. Okay, Jimmy, we see you. But next time, let me tell you, they're going to have two hosts. All right. Maybe ones who work in parallel industries like the hot dog industry, <laughs> you say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let me actually say, as we've read this, March 12th, can I just get this up front? It's too late. It's still way too late. Before the pandemic, the Oscars always happened in February, the beginning of February. It's the middle of March. I don't want to talk about the best movies of October 2022. It's over. I want to talk about Scream 6. Yeah, I don't want to go back and uh, and think about last year. So I th- I think we've just got to move it. I mean, something I saw today is that this year's Best Picture winner, and this is an anomaly, but this year's Best Picture winner was released before last year's Oscars. What? So this movie had premiered before Coda won Best Picture last year. That's Holy how hell. long this whole cycle is taking. And I think we need to <laughs> speed it back up. Imagine if the Super Bowl took place four months after the season ended. Yeah. That's basically what we're doing here. For real. I don't know how close you could cut it because I know a lot of those places, a lot of films like come out right at Christmas to try and like clinch it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. 
But end of January, early February, is this too much to ask? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. We used to do it. We used to be a proper country. We used to be a proper country. And now, yeah, look at us. Look at us. Award shows in March. In March? (laughs) The worst thing happening, undoubtedly. The worst thing about this country right now is that award shows that used to happen in February now happen in March. Okay. Um, Catherine Martin, Baz Luhrmann's designer and wife, who is always nominated for her work with him, lost costume design to Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and production design to All Quiet on the Western Front. Mm. This means that Elvis joins Romeo and Juliet and Australia as the Baz films where she lost rather than Moulin Rouge and The Great Gatsby, where she won. Yeah, interesting sort of divide, relevant to our current Baz Luhrmann miniseries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that Wakanda Forever had excellent costumes, so I'm not really mad about it. More than anything, I'm shocked to see that Elvis lost all six Oscars it was nominated for. In fact, it joins The Banshees of Inisherin, The Fablemans, Tar, and Triangle of Sadness, all walking away from Oscar night empty-handed. Shocking! It is shocking that all of those movies, th- that that none of them won anything? Wild. Nothing. Wild. Certainly looking at our predictions when we recorded that episode, we were imagining more sort of awards being spread out across yeah. the field. Instead, you know, I've got to say, as as the night played out... It was that basically every technical award, mm-hmm. the vast majority, went to All Quiet on the Western Front. Yep. And then every above-the-line award, aka most of the ones we predict, went to Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yep. Uh, in fact, it is now the only film to ever win six of the top seven awards, picture, directing, screenplay, and the four actings. Wow. Of those seven awards that are i guess considered the highest everything everywhere all at once is the only movie to have ever won as many as it did which was six that's super cool it was also only one of three films to ever win three acting awards which is again also the highest it joins network and a streetcar named desire wow in the three timers club there wow that's pretty incredible well let me put it to you Everything Everywhere All at Once, mm-hmm. the internet's favorite movie, has mm-hmm. now been hugely awarded uh-huh. on Hollywood's most established awards show. Uh-huh. So does this mean that the Oscars are cool, or does it mean that the movie is no longer cool? What Ooh. say you? Ooh! That's a tough sell. That I mean, a tough question. And here's, here's what I gotta say. Here's what I gotta say. The Oscars are cool again, baby. Because guess why? They got themselves a champagne-colored carpet. They said yes to the most popular movie in the country. They said yes. And you know what? They said no to Steven Spielberg, which while I personally have no beef with Steven Spielberg, I think it's awesome that they did that. The only place where they have caved is in the one place we knew they would. But we can talk about that later. (laughs) Fascinating. Okay. 
Should we should we get into it? Should yes, we yes, break down how our predictions matched up with where the academy went? Yes, let's go for it. Let's go for it. Especially because I think we got some of these right for once. Well, one of us got a lot more of them right than the other, and I'm not going to tell you which one. <laughs> but the results may shock you. Uh-huh. Okay, let's start with Best Supporting Actor. The nominees were Brendan Gleeson for The Banshees of Inisherin, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans, Barry Keoghan for The Banshees of Inisherin, and Ki Hee Kwan for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. We both predicted Ki Hee Kwan, and indeed, he won Best Supporting Actor. Incredible. Love it. And such a sweet, such a sweet acceptance speech. Mm-hmm. Just what an all around stand up guy. I have since seen this movie and indeed it is incredible. Indeed, he is incredible. And it's it's well deserved as the Internet's favorite movie and is now America's favorite movie. I liked the movie. I wasn't evangelical about it, but I do think that he is one of the best parts of it. I mean, the work that he has to do in it of, like, selling all of the concepts while also being funny, while also having, like, big stunts moments and big romantic moments. Like, I mean, is he supporting or is he lead? Maybe that's a different conversation, but I think he's a worthy win no matter what. For sure. For sure. You love to see it. Next up, we've got Best Supporting Actress. The nominees were Angela Bassett for The Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Cho for The Whale, Carrie Condon for The Banshees of Inishirin, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie Hsu for Everything Everywhere All at Once. I predicted Jamie Lee Curtis. Wade predicted Angela Bassett. Who? Oh, I mean Kurt. (laughs) Kurt (laughs) predicted Angela Bassett. And indeed, it was Jamie Lee Curtis. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Now, I do I do like her in this movie, but I do believe she was winning for the entire Halloween franchise, actually, and for the work that she did in Knives Out 1. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I thought it was funny they gave it to her for Halloween ends, but I guess they saw a little more there. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I mean, do you think that she is the best supporting actress in Everything Everywhere All at Once? Of the two? Considering there are two nominated. Of the two nominated, I don't think she's the better performance Mm -hmm. in the movie but i can't be sad to see jamie lee curtis get an oscar that's that's where i fall on that you know i do think if in terms purely in terms of that movie stephanie shoe was the shoe in if you will for everything everywhere all at once but we know how the academy does it's good that she has one it would have been good for angelo bassett to have one too that would also be good yeah it's cool and it's cool that she shouted out uh, as she said, her genre pictures, everyone who loves mm. her work for the years that does not get nominated for Oscars. So, yeah. okay. Best international film. The nominees were all quiet on the Western front from Germany, Argentina, 1985 from Argentina, close from Belgium, EO from Poland and the quiet girl from Ireland. Mm-hmm. You predicted EO, I predicted All Quiet on the Western Front, and indeed, it was All Quiet on the Western Front. Wow. Have you seen it yet? Um, Okay, I guess I I have a shameful admission here, which is that I wanted to see it, 
and I watched the first 40 minutes of it and then didn't have time to finish it mm. prior to the Oscars. Ooh. But I will say that in that 40 minutes, I felt I got a really full sense of it. Yeah. You know, it's it started with them enlisting and ended with his lovable friend dying. Spoilers for the first 40 minutes. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, that's the narrative arc of this movie. I've yeah. got it. But it was very well made and it had a really awesome score Mm. i guess we'll talk about this in a minute but that was very different from typical war movies that was the thing that stood out the most to me Hmm. that it was doing that was sort of fresh maybe less fresh after the oscars considering they played the same section of it over and over and over and over every time someone from it won it sort of goes blah 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 (laughs) it's basically sort of like a billy eilish backing track but to this very austere, like, well-made, war-is-hell sort of movie. Mm. Also got me thinking a lot about how, like, so many people will not watch a horror movie, but will watch a war movie. Hmm. You're seeing guts in both of them. Often a lot more guts in a war movie, TVH. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Yeah, they show Saving Private Ryan in middle school. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it seems like a decent movie, so congrats. Cool. I haven't seen it yet. I I still want to, especially now that it's won all of this stuff. So, great. Best documentary. The nominees were All That Breathes, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and Navalny. I predicted Navalny. Kurt predicted All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. And indeed, the winner was Navalny incredible yeah really incredible stuff i have not seen navalny it was a very affecting moment on stage his uh th- this movie is about alexei navalny who's the leader of the russian opposition to vladimir putin basically he's currently in prison in russia solitary too the director of the film came to accept the speech, but then brought on his wife and children, mm. Navalny's wife and children, who sort of directly addressed him, mm. which was very sweet and moving. I I mean, I get why it won. Mm-hmm. I can't speak to whether it was the best movie there, but you were right to predict it. Yeah. I will put that on my watch list along with all the other documentaries. <laughs> Next up, we have Best Animated Film. The nominees were... Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, and Turning Red, which you predicted. I predicted Marcel the Shell. However, it went to Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I now like need to see this movie. I, I did not feel the need to see it before, but I am a fan of his work, despite The Shape of Water. And... <laughs> I would be interested to see what it is about this movie that came out ahead of these others. Yeah, so I saw all of these but the Sea Beasts, and I liked all of them. This would probably be the lowest on my list, but I still liked it. Okay. It's it's kind of spooky in a fun way for kids. Mm-hmm. And it is the standard Pinocchio story, but it's set in fascist Italy. Cool. So there's that whole classic honestly it's kind of a remake of pan's labyrinth but for like 12 year olds instead of for like 16 year olds cool honestly i'd probably dig it that sounds dope it's also a musical 
And honestly, that's maybe not the high point mm. of it. But it has a very good Ewan McGregor performance. Ooh. Live action? No, it's all stop motion animation. Okay. To be honest, the reason that I was casting a little shade on it is because it's much more CGI heavy than the other Netflix stop motion animation creepy kids movie that I wish was on this list, mm. Wendell and Wild. Right, right. But it still is really well done. So congrats. While we're talking about this list of movies, let me ask you. Now that the year is over, what do you think is the most metal movie of 2022? The North Man, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, or Tar? <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, it's tough. It's it's a tough call, okay? <laughs> Puss in Boots, The Last Wish slaps. That movie oh, slaps. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. But legitimately, I do think it has to go, it has to go to the North Man for seriously just never, like, never stopping. Yeah. You know, those other movies are playing metal, mm. but the North Man is metal. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, okay. On on this, this question of music, on to best score. Uh, so the nominees were Volker Bertelman for All Quiet on the Western Front, Justin Hurwitz for Babylon, Carter Burwell for the Banshees of Inishirin, Son Lux for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and John Williams for The Fablemans. I had predicted John Williams for The Fablemans. You had predicted Justin Hurwitz for Babylon. We were both wrong. And the winner goes to Billie Eilish for All Quiet on the Western Front. I mean, this is a cool score. It's not the score that you expect this movie to have. I did love Justin Hurwitz's Babylon score. I feel like that was maybe robbed a little bit. Mm. Jimmy Kimmel also brought brought up during the ceremony that John Williams is 91 years old. He's been nominated for 50 plus Oscars, more than anyone other than Walt Disney. But apparently he has only won five of those 50 plus Oscars, which is a pretty bad going rate. So, yeah, I am now wondering if they're going to sneak him in for Indy 5 next year or if there's anything else they could do to get old Johnny another Oscar before he's retired. What's the story with him? Because, I mean, has he just been nominated every year that he's been making movies? If he's been nominated 50 <laughs> times? Like, what is it? That's crazy. That's, that's really, that's awesome. Yeah, I wish I knew more. Because I wonder if maybe he's gotten twice in one year or if he's also got some, like, song uh, nominations, yes. you know, in addition to score. For sure. Now, let me put the question to you. If you're you're a director, you're you're gonna you're directing a movie, you're putting together your team, mm-hmm. and you have the choice of John Williams, who's been nominated for fifty Oscars and won five of them, mm-hmm. or do you do uh, you know somebody who has has won just like has won five Oscars? They were nominated for five and they won five. This is some fictional other musician. I don't know. I mean, that would be a real hot streak, but. I just tend to have more respect for John Williams than most other composers. I think we are getting to a more transparent place. You know, we were seeing a lot of like more credits for all the additional composers Mm -hmm. that a lot of guys use. But, you know, John Williams is sitting down there with a pen and paper. Yeah. I'm not sure if everyone else is doing that. So hell yeah. Speaking of Indiana Jones 5, I forgot to mention this, but I do wonder Mm -hmm. 
if somewhere James Mangold is scrambling to write a scene for Kihi Kwan oh. to reshoot a little short round reunion into Indy 5 before it comes out. Damn. Song. That is certainly what I would be doing Damn. if he had just won Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, for real. I guess we will see. The next is Best Adapted Screenplay. And friendly reminder that adapted can be from a book or from an original film. This is all sequels or franchises are automatically included under adapted, as you'll see here. The nominees were All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Living, Top Gun Maverick, and Women Talking. We both predicted Women Talking and we both were correct. It went to Women Talking, written by Sarah Polly, adapted from a, a book and based on a true story. Good. I haven't seen it yet. I still want to. I will now that it has won. Yeah, this movie rocks. If I could just stump for it for a second, because I feel like I'm one of like 10 people who have actually seen this movie. Yeah. Um, this was the, the award I was most excited for the winner. It's a movie about a real thing that happened, which is that in a Mennonite community in Bolivia, I think around 2010, the women in this community found out that the men had been drugging them and abusing them without their knowledge. And they sort of broke the rules of their community to go and tell the police who came and arrested the men. Now, the movie is based on a book which imagines the conversation that all the women had in the period when all the men had left the village. Mm. And that is what the movie is about too. So I know it sounds a lot like eating your vegetables, but it's actually very well done. It's funny. It's romantic. It's sensitive. It's sad at times. It's really sweet and really honest. They never show you like the worst things that happen you see the aftermath of it but i think it is like delicately done it's pg-13 it's not r mm -hmm. people at home should not be turned off mm -hmm. by it but i i would recommend everyone check it out i think it's really well done and i think that all of the suburban moms who are bringing jesus revolution to the top 10 of the box office right now should also be forced to watch this <laughs> because it is a very sensitive movie about the stuff that like takes faith seriously, but actually has like a ton of craft and consideration mm. into it, which mm. I feel like almost no other movies do. So yeah. that are <laughs> trying to talk about issues of faith mm. or spirituality or communities like that. I'll kick it to the top of my to watch list. Let's see. Next up, we've got Best Original Screenplay. The nominees here were The Banshees of Inishirin by Martin McDonough, Everything Everywhere All at Once by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, The Fablemans by Steven Spielberg and Tony M.F. Kushner, Tar by Todd Field, Triangle of Sadness by Ruben Ostland. I predicted Everything Everywhere All at Once. You predicted The Banshees of Inishirin. And indeed, it went to everything, everywhere, all at once. I've seen off of this now, I have seen everything, everywhere, all at once, and Tar. I stand by everything, everywhere, all at once as having been the best out of those two, screenplay-wise, certainly. Hmm. I think the directing is pretty strong in Tar, and I think the acting is really, like, really good. 
and the sound editing. And lo and behold, it didn't win for any of those. So whatever. Wait, what do you, what do you think about this? Or Kurt, what do you think about this? I mean, I don't think it's the weakest script there, but I think the directing and the performances and the editing are a lot better in Everything Everywhere All at Once than the writing is necessarily. Mm -hmm. It certainly is very original, so I get the part of that, best original screenplay. But I think really it needed to be, just for my personal taste, it needed to be edited a little bit tighter. Yeah. And I also would have liked to see it push a little further. I feel like there are a couple really out there wacky jokes in the movie that I love. And when they're really grooving on one of those, I'm like, I could have done with like 10 of these in this movie. Yeah. Like, I get that it was probably a hard sell to begin with, but I think you really could have gone further Yeah, and also maybe done like a two hour cut of it. And, and I'm honestly shocked that this didn't go to Banshees just because it was got about as many nominations as everything everywhere and didn't come away with anything. Yeah. And Martin McDonough is like such a, a writerly writer, you know, that he doesn't have any writing Oscar is, is shocking to me. Yeah. And speaking of Martin McDonough, he was also nominated for best director. The nominees were the aforementioned Martin McDonough for the Banshees of Sharon, Daniel Scheinart and Daniel Kwan for everything, everywhere, all at once. Steven Spielberg for his autobiographical film, The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Ostland for Triangle of Sadness. We both predicted Steven Spielberg, but it went to the Daniels Mm -hmm. for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Now this I see because that was like a bear of a movie to direct, I'm sure. And I think they did it in something like 14 days. Holy hell. Like it was a crazy undertaking. Yeah. I mean, it's wild and it hangs together and it's tight. It's a good, yeah. Yeah, I do get this. And I really like their speech. And as someone who wasn't 100% in on the movie, listening to them talk, I was like, oh, I, I like, I get it. And I am 100% in on these guys. Mm-hmm. And like, fascinated to see whatever they do next. Because yeah. this is just their second film. Damn. Um, after Swiss Army Man, which was six years before this one, but also kind of like a bonkers movie. A bonkers movie that like a lot of people loved. Like if you like that movie, I feel like mm-hmm. you love that movie. I don't know if it's a love it or hate it, but it is like a, you don't just like that movie, <laughs> you know? I hope they stick together. That's my big thought about this. I feel like it would be very tempting at this point to split up or let it go to your head a little bit especially after a year of all this praise yeah but i think they've created these two very wacky films through a collaboration so i hope that collaboration stays absolutely sorry to steven spielberg i mean i don't know what to say that movie is so well directed he's definitely never going to make another film that's like more made for the oscars than that yeah but maybe he's got to make something more like everything everywhere all at once. Like I had something yeah. more out there for them to pay attention again. I don't know. I don't know. Next up, we've got best actor. The nominees were Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for the Banshees of Inishirin and the Batman, Brendan Fraser for the whale, Paul Mezcal for after sun and Bill Nye for a living. I predicted Brendan Fraser for this. Uh, You predicted Austin Butler, and indeed the Oscar went to Brendan Fraser. Yeah, sorry to my mom that Austin couldn't leg it quite across the finish line. Mm. 
I don't want to put words in your mouth. I feel like this was maybe a little bit of a cynical bet on your part that really paid off here. <laughs> You're damn skippy it was. <laughs> what did you what did you think going into this that like <laughs> you nailed it on the head that it was Brendan Fraser? I thought actor get fat Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, that is that, and that, yeah, that's what that's what it was. That's what it was. What I can say, I mean, I do think I think Austin Butler was incredible in Elvis, and w- if he had won, it would have been well deserved. Mm-hmm. But I'm not surprised that it was in fact Brendan Fraser. Uh, well, I was surprised, but I I do agree. I like Brendan Fraser. I <laughs> like his old work. I like some stuff I've seen him in recently. I think a lot of this is for like his comeback narrative. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how many people voting and how many people standing up for him online have watched The Whale uh-huh. and are like into that performance versus just liking him as a person. Yeah. I'm really curious about that. Yeah. I think a lot of people have sort of carried The Whale as their cross to bear. Yeah. Unfortunately, all of those people are very, very skinny, so they couldn't carry the cross that far, but it does seem that they carried it far enough uh, to lug it here. Yeah. Well, and it's, okay, it's also, like, that has been a play since, I believe, like, 2006. Mm. You know, like, I'm sure if it is a good play, which I have my own thoughts about that, but we don't even need to get into it. If it's a good play, it has been good for something like 15 years. Like, and actors Uh that you know have probably been in it and excellent in it on stage so many times. Mm -hmm. And now Brendan Fraser is going to, not that I I begrudge it to him, but like, you know what I mean? It's like, come on, come on. But also, I'm not sure that is the case. What? Because I'm not sure that, I'm not sure it is good on stage. And good actors have played it well on the stage. Well, you know, the, and <laughs> and then we're back around to square one, which is, is it good? Yes. Uh, I'd have to watch it to find out, which I'm simply not going to do. So, And, you know, I'm not trying. Again, I like Brendan Fraser. I'm not coming for Colin Farrell, who did the same thing in The Batman, you know. But there is just, there is simply a tone <laughs> That must be accounted for a little bit when we have these conversations. Uh, Anyway, Best Actress. The nominees were Kate Blanchett for Tar, Ana de Armas for Blonde, Andrea Riseborough for Two Leslie, The Pure Chaos of This List, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. You predicted Michelle Yeoh. I predicted Kate Blanchett. The winner was Michelle Yeoh. Really watching it, they only said Michelle, and everyone knew who it was about. Perhaps insulting to Michelle Williams for her performance. <laughs> Did, but even she knew they weren't talking about her when they said it, right? <laughs> yes. They were like, oh, yeah, you're right. You deserved that. Well, you've now seen these two who I feel like were locked in battle, Michelle mm. Yeoh and Kate Blanchett. So what's your thought on this? But the context I'll say too, and maybe this is the sum total of it, but is that Kate Blanchett already has two Oscars. And this was Michelle Yeoh's first one. And indeed the second time, the second time in 95 years that a person of color, the second time in 95 years that someone who is not white won Best Actress. 
which is startling the, fact, the horrifying fact. Kate Blanchett, while incredible in that movie, does not need another Oscar. Mm-hmm. I really liked Michelle Yeoh in that movie. That this was not a cynical pick on my part. This was like I really did think. Um, you know, I think that she's really good. And I also think, too, there's something to the gamification of it, too, of like, oh, here's somebody who has been in a ton of movies, but has never been nominated, I don't think, you know, and has like done a lot of genre, like done genre work in a bunch of like action movies and stuff like that. And then, you know, now she's doing like an action, but drama and serious and funny and like all of it. And she does. and, And she really does. She hits. I mean, the thing about Kate Blanchett in, that, in Tar is that she plays one thing incredibly well in that movie. But Michelle Yeoh does the mm. entire range of so many different people's emotions over the course of that movie as True. she plays like all of these different versions of herself. Yeah, I think it's well-deserved. That movie is much more of an ensemble, though. And mm. Tar is really just Kate Blanchett. Yeah. I mean, she is in, I think, every single shot of the movie, except for the very final shot which is an all-timer of a final shot. But I agree. I think Michelle Yeoh is great in that movie, and it's cool that she has an Oscar. Next up, the big one, Best Picture. The nominees were All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. Uh, I predicted Avatar The Way of Water. I cannot believe that I predicted that. And you predicted Top Gun Maverick. A real moment of weakness. Uh, both of us were sadly wrong. Uh, and in fact, it was Everything Everywhere All at Once as Best Picture, America's Sweetheart, mm-hmm. greatest film ever made in 95 years of Oscars. <laughs> I mean, this is the the first year in a long time that I can remember that the front runner actually won. Yeah, feels like the front runner never wins, except for Nomadland, when I think the only other movie nominated was Bo Rat Two. So that was a little bit of a different situation. Oh God, that was such a crazy year. <laughs> but they managed to keep it up. I mean, even with this long ass season. Uh-huh. They were out there doing interviews every day, and it won. It's just really, it's just really awesome to see something so crazy and out there, and that was so, so popular with so many people. You know, I think brought a lot of joy to a lot of people to see that movie. I mean, I definitely like when I watched it. I did not expect to go through it as much as I did when I watched it. Like I was mm. like, oh, this is going to be like a fun. I'm watching this because it's nominated, sort of. Thing. And I was like, oh no, this is a captivating and moving film. So I hear it. I hear it. And all my blue folks out there who were really pulling for way of water, we'll just have to get them next time when the way of fire comes out. So, (laughs) so stay tuned for another 18 years from now, when he ever gets around to doing that. (laughs) How do how do you feel about it? I feel okay. I liked all of these movies. It's, one of the ones I liked the least, but again, I did like it, you mm-hmm. know? The crowd that we were watching the Oscars with seemed really excited for it. And so I think in that way, like you are saying, people are really excited about it, which is probably why I feel the need to be a little snarky mm. and say congrats to Kevin Feige and the whole team for finally getting an MCU movie to win Best Picture. But like, I do think it's awesome that people really like it. 
And I think it's going to introduce like new people to film fandom. And I think we're going to see weird movies. I think that people who really love this should go and see a new play festival in their Mm. town because you'll see a lot of similar wacky stuff there. I guarantee it. Yeah. Um, Maybe not in all of the plays, but certainly in some of them. You know, I like it better than Coda and I like it better than Nomadland, the last Mm. two winners we've covered. So that's a win in my book. I saw it. Um, So that's better than I did with either of those two winners. (laughs) And the most important question... The final tally. Oh boy. Well, it looks like, Kurt, you predicted three out of 12 predictions correctly. <laughs> Worse than uh, John Williams' betting average here. Yeah. Uh, seven out of 12, correct. Okay, that's over 50%. Seven out of 12 ain't bad, is what they always told me. <laughs> Congratulations. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, Kurt, do you have any other thoughts on the the 95th oscar or by the cinema bums ranking the number three oscar of all time (laughs) you know i did watch the ceremony it was a very on the rails ceremony Mm. which i'm sure is what they wanted after last year yeah sure (laughs) Um, and i don't begrudge them that there maybe were not like that many exciting moments but you know, the trains ran on time. Jimmy Kimmel did have some good jokes. He's someone I'm sort of ambivalent about, but I thought he landed a couple of good ones. They're still playing people off when they're in the middle of their emotional speech and then, like, making time for the Little Mermaid trailer premiere. That's And, and for, like, a five-minute segment about their Academy Awards museum in Los Angeles. So, like, I think there could be a little bit better construction. Yeah, seriously, you you win an Oscar. Okay, I I I think if you're a if you're if you're a multiple Oscar winner, play them off. But if you if it's your first time winning an Oscar, <laughs> you get to sit. It is your privilege to stand up there and talk for as long as you want. Thank everybody, man. Like, go for it. Why it's why not? Why yeah. not? But instead, it's more like if you're one of the actors. You have an unlimited time, and if you're winning, like, best short, you uh-huh. get 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> this is basically the attitude. Honestly, last year, even more than not showing all of the categories, and even more than the slap, the most insulting thing to me about last year was that they just seemed ashamed of the movies that they were talking about. And there was all this garbage about, like, the 40th anniversary of The Godfather and of White Men Can't Jump. And, like, all of these tributes and montages to, like, old movies that basically just seemed, like, so pandering and being, like, hey, remember when you watched a movie? None of that was there. Like, they made a lot of jokes about the movies of this year, Mm -hmm. you know, assuming that people watching have seen the movies. So, that's cool. That's what I want to see. I will say there was, like, a trailer reel for 100 years of Disney. Mm Mm-hmm which was part of the, their unveiling the live action um, Little Mermaid trailer, which looked fine. And then later they did one for the 100-year celebration of Warner Brothers. Hmm. You know, it went like from Casablanca all the way up through like the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies. Oh, cool. It was very cool. And at the end, they started to get into like some of their recent and upcoming films. And I was like, is this where we're going to get the Dune 2 trailer? Because I have been waiting for that. 
But instead, they ended it. They ended their 100 years celebration on a shot of Ezra Miller as The Flash. Oh, my God. From their upcoming film, The Flash. Jesus Christ. And that, and it was a picture of Ezra Miller smiling, and then it said, this is only the beginning. And I said, of their crimes? Yeah, what? <laughs> Of the, uh, just... of their yeah of their complete and utter derailment what <laughs> yeah seriously you made it one hundred years in the business and you're banking it all on Ezra Miller on... God I have a lot of things to say about Ezra Miller probably not any of them stuff that we that we need to get into but I will say that I did see the Flash whatever trailer uh-huh. and the fact that there is two of them in that movie. I know. I was like, was one not already too many? We need to talk about Ezra. We're not 100% on this guy. We're 200%. We are 200% committed. (laughs) Oh, man. Wow. Any final thoughts, Mr. Meyer, before we go back to our own personal lives for a year? No, I'm just really excited to getting back to doing what I do best, which is selling hot dogs, not talking about movies. So I'm going to let the experts get back to it uh, next week. Listen to our spoiler-filled Scream 6 episode, um, which will be out this week. And stay tuned for our mm-hmm. regular Baz Luhrmann miniseries to continue next week with The Get Down 2016. And that will conclude with recent Oscars reject Elvis 2022 in two weeks. The Oscars will be back next year. Until then, we deserve a nap, and you deserve to stay frosted. (laughs) Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Emma Temple and me, Wade Lawrence Holloman. I also edit and mix the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week 